You know, there's a worship song that came out um, in the 90s that, that went by several names. I, I, I looked it up and I was like, I couldn't believe that, you know, there was a different name based on different people who sang it. But, but not until it was released by the worship rock group Sonic Flood under the name or the title Holiness, did it really, you know, kind of flood the, the, the worship sets of churches and ministries everywhere. You know, I especially like the way it starts out with these words. It says, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness is what you want from me. You know, I want us to just kind of chew on that, but, but let me say good morning, Crossroads Church, um, from uh, the First Baptist Church of Pearl City all the way in, in Hawaii. You know, when I, I came here, Robert shared with me, and he said, hey, um, why don't you dress like how you would dress in Hawaii? And he didn't tell me it was going to be this cold. And, and so, you know, and, and so, you know, that's kind of the deal where, uh, you know, I said, are you sure? I was, I was prepared to wear a long sleeve shirt or whatever, and, and, I, and there are times where I kind of wish I packed some of those things, but, but it's a little bit more casual and laid back in Hawaii, but like you said, you know, our goal, our desire is that, you know, God would be honored in everything that we do, you know, and so this morning as we, we kind of dive in, let me, just, uh, let me just pray for us and we'll just dive right in. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks this morning, God. And Father, I pray that in these next few moments, Lord, that the words that are spoken would be your words. But of all else, God, that in all that we do, that you would find us faithful this morning. That's our prayer, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the reason I started out with this um, the lyrics of this, this song, um, and there's a point to this, but, <clears throat> but whenever I think of these uh, rock-flavored worship songs, you know, I think of my, my dear friend, uh, Robert Mullins. I, I do, you know? And, and, and because as long as I've known him, and, I, and I've known him for like close to 30 years now, that there are some constants in his life, right, you know? You know, he's always been a guy that I, that I know that had a deep love for Jesus, for his wife, Pam, you know, and later on his, his two sons. But also he was, you know, a guy that I always knew who had a deep love for classic rock. And so if you've known him, that, that's kind of his, his deal. And, you know, and, and, and it made me uh, kind of drawn to him because I thought like, man, I don't know if, uh, you know, wow, I guess pastors can love heathen music. I don't know, you know. But, but uh, you know, and, and, and because I kind of have a, I have a shared love for that, you know, but anyway, you know, these words, you know, these words, you know, of this praise song, uh, you know, these are the words that I used to listen to quite, quite a bit, right, you know, and, and it appears to be the desired outcome of the psalm that we'll be taking a look at this morning. And now, this, this psalm that we're going to be looking at this morning, you know, it, it throws out the question that I believe in, in King David's time was asked by many, 
and answered by few. You know, so tuck that, you know, away, you know, in the, in the back of your minds, and, and let's kind of jump into to, to the text this morning, or, or kind of to see, you know, what these five verses in the 15th Psalm, you know, what they, they kind of have to say for us. You know, and as I shared earlier, the psalm that begins, you know, with a question. You know, a question that was asked and perhaps is still, you know, asked by many. But, but then, you know, in the verses that follow the psalmist, David proceeds to provide a, a much, you know, much sought after answer to his question. And, and so let's start with the question, and then we'll kind of dive into the answer. And, and so... To do so, let's take a look at verse 1 in the 15th Psalm, and it says this, Lord, who may dwell in your secret tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? You know, there are two questions here. You know, the first is who can come before God? You know, he's asking, right? You know, more specifically, his, his tabernacle, his, his, his sanctuary, or, you know, we may refer to it as his house. You know, so really he's saying, you know, who's allowed in? Who's invited in? And the second question is based off of the first, you know, which is assuming that we're granted permission, that we're allowed to come in, we, we, we can come in, Right? And it's assuming this, and the question is, who then, you know, who can come and spend this extended time with God? You know, who can converse intimately with Him and bask in His presence? You know, basically, in a nutshell, David is saying, who can come and hang out and and spend time with God? Now, I'll be honest, I was a little hesitant to share this, and, and here's why. Because, you know, coming and hanging out, it sounds great, and I believe it's what God desires, but it's, it's so informal, right? It, it, it's so informal in regards to coming into the presence of greatness. And so let me just say this before we move on. You know, the funny thing about this is that Our presence, and I want us to kind of hear this, our presence doesn't change God. But His presence most definitely will change us. And so going back to what's going on here, David is saying that he wants the people of God to understand that God loves us. He's a a friend. He He wants to meet us where we're at. But he also wants us to know that he, God, is most definitely worthy of our best. He's holy, he's majestic, he's perfect, and we're not. He's he's up there and we're down here. And that's just the way it is. So if we desire to, if, if if we're asking to come before Him, to spend extended periods of, of time, you know, with Him and to hang out, you know, with the God of all creation, 
then here in the psalm, David is more than willing to share with us the how. You know, he's willing to share with us the how for those who desire to do this. So we know the question, right? Who can come and hang out and spend time with God? And, and, and now let's try and take a look at how David, he begins to answer this. And so as quickly as David asks these two questions, he begins to answer them. And now his answer doesn't come in the form of, you know, <clears throat> any names or, or setting aside you know, specific groups or, or classes that we can go to, you know, and, and, and again, I think as sometimes as, as Christians, as, as Baptists, we, we tend to kind of have it all figured out, you know, like it, we, you, we have a class for that. We have a Sunday school for this. We have, a, we have a life group or a small group for that. And we think that, you know, these things, they can fix everything. And, and oftentimes, they, they can help us get to where we need to be. But, but here, David is not saying this. You know, so I want us to understand that this isn't what he's referring to when he says who here in verse 1. It isn't in reference to a name of any particular individual or, or thing, right? But rather who defines the very character, you know, of the righteous. Those who demonstrate, those whose lives reflect holiness. Hey, remember back that song, holiness is what you expect from me. The who is defined here, I believe, by the lifestyles, the, the actions, by the way we choose to walk with God. You know, t- turn with me and, and we'll jump into verse 2 and we'll go all the way to the first part of verse 5 and I'll read that for us. It says this, verse 2, the one whose walk is blameless who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur to others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Now, these verses here are pretty straightforward. They, they express the, the, the characteristics that God, he, you know, desires of those who, who choose to come into his presence. You know, with that said, let, let's try and break it down. You know, he, David, starts out by saying this, right? You know, those whose walk is blameless. You know, those whose Walk does what is righteous. You know, these first two characteristics, blameless, righteous, at, at times I can see how it can give readers the wrong impression. Now, David is not implying this sinless perfection here. And he's not saying that we got to be perfect, but rather he's speaking of a life that's whole, that's, that's steady, that... You know, and, and this comes about by the individual's consistent walk with God. You know, earlier in the prayer, it's talking about getting out of the boat. And so basically, that's an amazing example because here, he's not saying that you've got to walk on water. But he is saying 
that we need to be able to or be willing to get out of the boat and try. Then he talks about, you know, those whose walk speaks truth from his heart. And, and I understand why this is grouped here in verse 2, because it talks of, you know, the characteristics to be practiced. But really, I think it can be grouped with the characteristics not to be practiced found in verse 3. You know, because it says there in verse 3, because you know, it talks about those who choose not to slander. Those who choose, you know, to do, not to do wrong to their neighbors. Those who choose not to cast slurs on others. And, and they don't, you know, what this is saying is that they don't try to discredit others, you know, by lifting themselves up. By putting others down. And, 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 I, and I think this is important because I think in the church we've perfected this one right here. You know, we, 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 we are so good at just, you know, putting others down by lifting ourselves up. And, and, and I say that, and maybe it doesn't happen here in Alabama, but in Hawaii it does. You know, someone will say, you know, hey, can you pray for so-and-so? Man, I don't want to speak ill of people, but, but if, can we pray for them? Because, you know, they, they're doing all, they shouldn't be doing these things. And it's okay if you tell others to pray for them. And then it just gets, it gets like wildfire. You know, those who choose not to cast slurs on others. You know, to maintain this consistent walk with God. You know, one must be careful not to allow the words that, that leave their lips, you know, to be these types of words. But their, their words should be truthful and full of integrity, but, but also the absence of the malice and, and free from, you know, of rumors and false statements. You know, then, we, then as we move down, we, we, we see the, the focus in verse 4 on those, again, he, he, who choose to despise the vile, who choose to honor the righteous. You know, this is more in regards to aligning oneself with God rather than in opposition of Him. It's kind of straightforward, you know, vile is bad, righteous is good, and I think we get it. And then David moves down to the last part of verse 4 in and, and, and sort of groups them together with the first part of verse 5 here. You know, the focus is on those who keep their word. And if we look back uh, to verses 2 and 3, there's a, a little bit, uh, you know, different. It, it, it's not just being truthful or, or not spreading rumors or, or not speaking ill of others. It's being a person whose word actually means something. You know, meaning that there are no empty words, no hot air escaping the lips of, of individuals. They, they have and they will continue to follow through on the promises of their words. You know, in, in, in Hawaii, there's this slang, and they call it waha. You know, waha. You know, and, and what that means is, is just hot air. You know, you know you're talking... You're talking bubbles. You, you, you're saying something. Your word doesn't mean a thing. And I was told once by a mentor that the only thing that we have 
when we enter into meetings, when we enter into, you know, these things where we as ministers, the only thing we have is our word. And he said, so keep yours. Now, how in the world, you know, is this group together with the first part of verse 5? You know, and, and you know, because you, you, as you look through it, because some of the times when I look through God's Word, I'm like, okay, how does this even connect? You know, and, and really, because it speaks of those, right, you know, verse, the first part of verse 5, who, who lend to the poor without interest, meaning that they, they don't take advantage of others, or, or they don't accept bribes, meaning that they are not swayed or corrupted or bought by the the world's ways, and, and well, there's an assumption here that these are the very traits that belong to one who keeps their word. They are the same of those who, who try to do what is right and not, and not take advantage of others. Those who aren't swayed or corrupted by negative influence, you know, that's the thinking behind this. These are the characteristics, you know, and the, the traits of those whom God desires to spend time with. These are the traits, David is saying, of holiness. And then finally, at the end of the psalm, we see a promise that David shares on behalf of God. You know, take a look at the second part of, of verse 5. It says this, you know, whoever does these things will never be shaken. You know, what David is saying here is that he or she who exercises these practices, they don't have to worry about finding themselves on unstable ground. Why? Because to walk with God, you know, it's, it's to strive for holiness. You know, to walk with God is to know that we will never find ourselves on the slippery slopes that brought about that are brought about by sinful practices. But also to walk with God is to know that He is with us every step of the way. You know, He's with us when the path is, is narrow and, and even when it's wide, He's, he's there when it's steep. And when it's flat, and we'll never be shaken because He, God, provides, you know, stability through His Spirit, through His Word, through His love, and that's His promise. And so as we, we try to kind of wrap things up this morning, and, and if you kind of saw the title of the sermon, most times you might be thinking, what in the world? Actually, at our church, every Sunday morning, they look at me and they probably ask the question, what in the world or, or what is he talking about? You know, and, and, and so as we wrap things up, again, you're probably thinking about this title that's, you know, called Moon People. And well, it, it really isn't so much about the moon as much as it is on how we see it, the moon, that is, and where it draws its strength, you know, its source of, of light from. I know that most of you probably know this, right, you know, and, and, and 
you know, talking about the moon here. But, but years ago, I, I, when I was in college, I took an astronomy class because I heard somewhere along the line that Astronomy 110 was one of those classes you take to boost your GPA, you know. And, and I thought it was, and then actually, you know, it, there was work that needed to be done. I thought you just need to show up and, you know. But in that class, I, I learned quite a bit. You see, the moon, uh, you know, that, that, that bright object that illuminates, right, the, the evening sky, really, it, it was a shocker to me that it possessed no light at all. And I guess I missed that somewhere along the way. You know, maybe someone told me, but it, it, was, it was kind of one of those aha moments like, oh, you don't say. You see, the moon doesn't really project light, you know, at all. It, it, it reflects it. And where it gets its light from is, is the sun. I mean, and, and, you know, this is a whole another sermon where we could go through the, you know, the, the astronomy side of this where, you know, the moon as a, you know, our, our, our earth circles the sun and all these things. But, but the sun here is shining light consistently. The moon here, when we see it at night, is simply reflecting the light that it gets from the sun. Think about it. Our evenings here on planet Earth would be a rather dismal place without the moon's light. But without the sun, the moon would just be another dull, dark object in space. And so again, the moon actually shines because its surface reflects light from the sun. And despite the fact that sometimes it seems to shine very brightly, the moon reflects only a fraction of the sun. Now again, after all of this, why the astronomy lesson? Well, because, you know, I, I think we can learn a lot from the moon. In fact, I think it sums up this psalm right here. You know, if our desire is to spend time with the Lord, to bask in His presence, how do we do that? Well, perhaps we can look towards the moon as our example. And I say this because David encourages us through these words here in the 15th Psalm to be in pursuit of holiness. To do that, you know, to do what is right, to be people of character and integrity. And, and I agree totally. I think that it's on spot. But the only way that I know how to do this is to be in relationship with and to draw our strength from the Son of God. And that means to walk with Christ daily. And I don't think this is a complex thing. I, in fact, I think it's fairly straightforward. But, but how do we measure that? Is there a way to, to, to quantify or qualify this? And I don't think so. In fact, I'll say no because God looks past our accomplishments. You know, and straight to our heart. And so again, is there a way to know how we're doing? 
Well, if we're ever in doubt or uncertain as to how our walk with the Lord is going, if we want a model, well, look towards the moon as our example. And again, I say this because just as the only way the moon can illuminate the evening sky, you know, to be a light in darkness, the only way it can do this is to be a reflection of the sun. And I hope we get this, you know, the moon, it really has no light of its own, and, and I'm not saying that it's insignificant, but compared to the sun, man, it's, it's all but a speck. And what we see at night, the moon at its brightest, is simply a reflection, a glimpse of the sun as it is. Now again, the reason why I bring this up is that is that I believe that this is how it is with those who choose to be in pursuit of holiness, those who choose to walk with Jesus. If we desire to spend time with the Lord, to bask in His presence, to be in pursuit of His holiness, then all we have to do is walk with Him to allow our lives to be a reflection of the Son of God. And the more we spend time with the Lord, the more we allow His Word, you know, to, to guide and direct us, the more we soak it up, His presence, His, His bright, you know, the brighter we reflect the Spirit, the brighter we shine His light. You know, may these words that I shared at the start of our time together be a reflection of our heart's desire. Holiness, holiness is what we ought to long for. Holiness is what we need. Holiness, Lord, is what you, He, desires of me, of us. You know, David is saying that if we want to Come before the Lord. If, if we want to spend time in His presence, then pursue holiness. You know, but understand that in the pursuit of holiness, you know, the pursuit of holiness is to be intentional about our walk with Jesus. When this walking with Jesus becomes a daily practice in our lives, the fruit of how we live will be a, re, a reflection of the Son. And I'm referring to the Son of God, the one who lived a perfect life, the one who redeemed us from our sins, the one who loves without condition, the one we come each week to worship. So Crossroads Community Church, if our desire is to spend time in God's presence, perhaps we can start by asking ourselves, this one question, do we reflect the sun? You know, let me just say to you that, you know, you are in the midst of this series called Thankful, and, and, and I can say from personal experience that you can be thankful that you have a pastor who's been a moon, the moon to many other pastors. 
myself included. And, and I know I don't have to tell you because he's probably been just that for a lot of you. You know, so as you celebrate, you know, 10 years of ministry with Pastor Robert as a church, I'd like to encourage you not only to celebrate this milestone, but to cover it in prayer daily. You know, this week, this month, and also to cover your pastor in prayer as he, as he walks with and takes his leading from the Lord. As he reflects the Son. You know, through his words, his ministry, but most of all, through his life. You know, the best way to celebrate this milestone, I believe, is to be a reflection of the very God that your pastor loves and serves. So again, let me just leave you with this question this morning. Do our lives, you know, by the way we talk, by the way we walk, do they reflect the sun? Mm-hmm.